Hello and welcome, friends, to another edition of Sustainability Now here on your community radio station, Forward Radio, WFMP, LP, Louisville. We're broadcasting to you from high atop the historic Hayburn Building at 106.5 FM and live streaming wherever you are in the world at forwardradio.org. You can always tune us in live or archived via our podcasts on SoundCloud, which are all archived for you at forwardradio.org. And while you're there, click on Donate and support keeping our station on air. We are listeners sponsored so if you like what you're hearing today and you recognize that you can't find it anywhere else on the dial well then we need your pledge of support today and for twenty dollars you could sponsor this entire day's broadcast how great would that be and while you're there also click on participate because we want community voices behind the microphones that's why we built this station it is radio for the people by the people and we want you to be the people well, this is a very special week, my friends. Post-Derby, we can finally turn our attention to the very important primary election coming up here in Louisville on Tuesday, May 17th. The polls are going to be open from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. But no, my friends, you don't need to wait until then. Early in-person voting for Louisville's primary election will be available to all this Thursday through Sunday. So you can vote this week, my friends, starting May 12th, 13th, and 14th from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. at six different locations around the county. You can vote early starting on Thursday at the Jeffersonian on Taylorsville Road in Jefferson Town, at the Kentucky Center for African American Heritage at 18th and Ali, at the Broadbent Arena at the Kentucky Expo Center, out at Sun Valley Community Center on Bethany Lane, at the Triple Crown Pavilion on Plantside Drive, and at the Mary Queen of Peace on Dixie Highway. Full details about all of that and how to vote is at jeffersoncountyclerk.org. But what we want to do today here on Sustainability Now is bring you some of the voices of the candidates running. We had an excellent mayoral forum held on April 12th at Simmons College of Kentucky with the Courier Journal, and we're going to bring you the voices of both Republican and Democratic candidates today who participated in that forum, and only one of the candidates running, Democrat Anthony Oxendine, 43-year-old owner of Spring Valley Funeral Home, was unable to participate in this forum, but you'll hear from all the other candidates, Republican Bill DeRuff, a 66-year-old Jefferson Town mayor and former hardware store owner, Democratic candidate Tim Finley Jr., 42-year-old pastor of Kingdom Fellowship. Fellowship Christian Life Center, Democratic candidate Skylar Grodick, 32-year-old construction and maintenance worker, Democrat Craig Greenberg, 48-year-old former CEO of 21C Museum Hotels and co-owner of Ohio Valley Wrestling, 34-year-old Democratic candidate Colin Hardin, hospitality and food service industry worker, Republican candidate Chartrell Hall, 34-year-old minister and entrepreneur, Republican candidate Philip Molestina, 60-year-old founding pastor of A.V. Stola Luz Christian Church, Democratic candidate David Nicholson, a 65-year-old Jefferson County Circuit Court clerk, and Democratic candidate Shamika Parrish-Wright, a 45-year-old Partnerships and Advocacy Manager with The Bail Project, and finally, Republican candidate Rob Stark-Reichman, a 44-year-old healthcare worker. And we are going to hear on some really important sustainability issues tonight from all of these candidates, and we're going to kick it off hearing about the candidates' views on what we can do to improve public transportation here in Louisville, starting with all of the Democratic candidates first and beginning with Shamika Parrish-Wright here on Sustainability Now. What do you think is the most transformative improvement the city should make to its transportation system? 
Oh, my favorite topic, and I didn't even have that note ready. Uh, let me tell you. One, you know, we, we spent a lot of money on bridges. I'm hearing over 20 years ago we had a choice to go towards bridges or towards light rail that our, even our Muhammad Ali Airport is set up to receive light rail. We, we are a bigger city now. We, we have a great, big, amazing population of immigrant and international people coming in. And, you know, bridges were a lot of money and a lot of waste of taxpayers money. Um, so we do need to improve TARC. I, I've put in my plan about improving TARC routes um, and starting with the TARC 3, making sure those services are adequate for seniors and the people that need them. Free fair months. I know Brother Friendly says every month, but we need to make some money. So free fair months so people <laughs> can plan to take TARC. Because really, it, you don't plan to take TARC. You only take TARC unless you absolutely have to. Um, make sure the, st the stops are better, broadband, Wi-Fi. Make sure people can charge and go, bikes, shelter. Bringing all of those up so people so TARC is a viable option. Making more walkable communities and places where TARC can connect to some type of railroad uh, transit. We need that bad. And then, you know, pay TARC drivers well, connect TARC to tourism all over our county. I think that the transportation issue can actually bring us more together as a city and a county if we get that right. I don't want to run around the whole county, but I will ride a railway or I will ride TARC if we had it ready. Thank you. The most transformative improvement, um, I think there's several things. First, I think we need to complete the network redesign analysis that we started years ago and make those practical changes that broadly connect north, south, and east and west. Um, and I think we have to create from that microtransit solutions and partnerships with employees to really unlock the potential of these different areas that can't get to particular neighborhoods. This is I think we have to have Tim a smarter Finley use Jr. of our resources. And I think we have to be more responsive and recognize that youth today may not ride the TARC because of narratives that are, again, old. I think we have to make riding the city bus something that is trendy, something that is cool, and sort of, you know, so to speak. And I think we can do that through the proper use of all the ways that we create these kind of narratives. But I agree with Shamika. I'll agree with what's also been said. I think I'll give like a realistic, Democrat. practical kind of point of view and a, a more fanciful one. The practical one is I think TARC should be fair free and I think the services should be improved. You know, during when it's cold and rainy or when it's very hot out, there's bus stops that don't have shelter for that. It's kind of an inconvenient service to use now in inclement weather and it's hard to predict, like we said, because the lines aren't digital on your phone. Though if we're going to develop in the city and we have the money to do it and some vision, I think white rail would be um, an excellent way to do many things. One of them would be to create, there's a saying that rooftops follow railways. So in our underserved or neglected communities, if you build a station there, they tend to have economic developments grow up from around that. Tark routes can change, but rail stations won't. It'll also help with uh, sustainability initiatives, which is a big issue for a lot of people. The amount of, the amount of CO2 that cars release is a huge problem for our city that's spread out along a wide area. There's a lot of commuting that would be cut down with rail, and so so that would be my answer. I think we need to make TARC more convenient, make it fair free, and if we're gonna go think big, let's think about rail and how we can use that to rejuvenate some of our communities. Democrat Craig Greenberg coming up next. Well, just as Shamika said earlier, I think some of the other candidates have read my notes here, so uh, <laughs> I think this is one of the many issues that I think you'll find all of us up here tonight are in close agreement on. Yeah. Um, I agree that we really should be focused on light rail we need to focus on uh, as, as Shamika said right now folks might just be taking TARC because they have to I hope we can change that so people are taking TARC because they want to 
because it's a cleaner, greener, and healthier solution, and it gets you uh, well and in a very um, economical way from point A to point B. But I think, once again, I know I've said this before tonight, we have a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to do things that we never thought we would have the money to do here in Louisville. Because it's not just the American Rescue Plan, but it's also the federal infrastructure plan that has been recently enacted, where there are hundreds of millions of dollars available for investments in things like light rail. So I think, let's think about transformation, and let's, let's make light rail a reality in Louisville. Let's connect, as Shamika was talking about, the airport to downtown. Let's connect, as Tim was talking about, the west to the east. And let's just not unify the city around common goals and values and aspirations, but let's literally unify the city through transportation. And we can do that and bring people together. People can get the jobs. They can socialize. They can go out. There will be so many opportunities. If we have fixed-line development, development will sprout up around that. We'll have dense, walkable, clean, green, walkable neighborhoods. That is the way that I think all of us want to live. I'm going to agree with everybody who said free ferry because they absolutely should be free. And Colin as Harden. far as the tarps are concerned, they are not designed, let's say, efficiently. Like, I've had to take tarp before myself, and, you know, you have to take a tarp from Preston. To get to Preston, you have to go all the way downtown and then back the other way. Mm -hmm. And that's just it's kind of productive. I would hire a whole new, my industry is going to hire a whole new set of tarp drivers who will be paid fairly because that's really all it needs. It doesn't need funding. People need to get paid fairly because... As long as wages stay stagnant, nobody's going to get paid raises. It's why cops don't make any money. It's why target buses don't make money. It's why we have a jail that is underfunded. It's like we need to pay people. That's it. Like, it's, you don't need to make it cool. You don't need to, like, you know, make it hip. You just need to pay bus drivers, you know, or pay. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, Thank you. I mean, I mean you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but, I mean, I mean, it's a cool idea. Maybe we should get, you know, been painted or, you know, like put a cardinal on some of them. But, you know, we could... <laughs> You never know. I mean, you know, I mean, that would actually go a long way. Was, yeah, that was, that was, that's my transportation message. We, we have stopped sharing our notes. I think, I think we're all sharing our notes, but clearly infrastructure and transportation are critical elements in the community's economic growth and really the quality of life. And I've been a huge proponent. Uh, I know TARC firsthand, having spent many of the years working down at TARC. And we're behind in the development of a transit system that really meets the needs of our workforce and especially underserved areas of our community. We need better access to public transportation. We've said that. You've heard that. We need more routes and longer hours. So as you look at national surveys and users of public transit, the access and hours availability are critical as a means to get to work. And frankly, as we do a good job, we have to invest in expansion. We have an opportunity, but we have to be very aggressive to going after the federal infrastructure and other grant funds to help fund an expanded public transit. We must connect with light rail from all aspects of tourism, education. We must connect downtown to Simmons, to the University of Louisville, Spaldings, onto the Kentucky Fairgrounds where there's an unbelievable opportunity forthcoming with the General Assembly having invested $200 million, and then to our airport. Right. So as we bring our individuals in to enjoy what Louisville has to offer, let's put them on light rail and be a modern city. I get a lot of calls, I say a lot, because I take care of my grandmother, who's 77, and a lot of people in her, her building, and also some ministers and pastors and elders in my church 
This about is Republican Chartrail Hall. It's been so many meetings. It's, I think it's, it's one going on right now, actually, that I was invited to by Reverend Mays' brother. But I believe there's a universal mobility program that has to be put into place where the transportation that we have in the city that goes from TARC 3, that goes from TARC to any public transit, is one on, on one accord and affordable based on from the city. We should be eating all of that understanding that we have to take care of the elders or those who are not able to have their own transportation. We have to be able to eat those costs so that they can get to work, so that the economy can keep moving forward. If people cannot get to work, if people can't get there and they don't have any trust or they're just left and just dropped off, it's, it's what we're going through right now. And so we need more efforts, we need more funding, we need more attention, we need more who care focusing on the transportation in the city, which currently we do not have at this time. I know that we talked about a lot about this here. Philip There's been talks Molestina. about this past in this campaign of just making TARC free with the argument that only 15% of the fares are used to fund uh, uh, the, all the budget. But I'm more for dedicated bus lines. Uh, there's a lot of places, for example, like the zoo, like Kentucky Kingdom, other ones, UPS, where young people could work, but when you talk with them, I talk with them in the community and talk in the church, why don't you go work there? I, I, don't, my, my, I can't get a ride back home. So you should have those free, dedicated bus lines to those places so the young people or other people that may be elderly, like, like Chartrell was saying, that need to get to grocery stores, get them to those places that they need to so they, it's either food or jobs they get to, and that makes sense there. One other thing, too, that I found out recently talking is Louisville has over 45 different uh, immigrant nations in our city that represent over, almost 120 people groups. I was talking to several different people, something so simple, they said, if there was a sticker on the bus somewhere I can point to to tell the bus driver to stop, it would be helpful. And I said, what do you mean? Because some people don't speak, I know it's, they still have to learn English, but they don't know, I need to get off the bus, and they're going two, three stops because of just not, not having like that. So those are small things, but improving what we can do with the people in those systems would be great. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I, you know, I think that a lot of this would happen with innovation and bringing some technology to these buses. This is Republican uh, Rob Stark and, and them, Reichman. You know, we're a big city, but our bus system is not like a big city. Um, and that way we need to do some innovation. Basically, we could transform where you speak different languages on the bus. You know, the, we redesign these buses, make them clean, make them affordable. Um, you know, and I think technology will obviously enhance these and make them more secure. People will be able to find out when these buses come, when they run, you know, different modes of transportation that they could actually use. You know, that would also work with just regular downtown as far as putting street lights that are, you know, advanced in there and, you know, have AI technology. That way it reduces some traffic jams. It, you know, reduces the risk of crashes. So police officers are more informed with the information they get, but also visitors from out of state, out of town, and people locally, you know, find out where you need to park, what spots open, and what bus is running, when it's running, where you are. So I, I think innovation and technology is definitely a key to it. And Republican Bill DeRiff. One advantage of being mayor of the largest commerce in this park in this state with over 38,000 employees and 1,800 businesses, we have to look for innovative ways to move our employees. Prior to the pandemic, we were working with TARC to have the TARC drop the employees at a, a location, say Southeast Christian, and we were going to do a circulator because we realized when you get off a bus and you have to walk another mile to your, your business where you work, many people won't do that because it's rain or snow or it's too far. They, they can get there in some other way, so we were working on a circulator. The other thing we, we work on is the past chair of KIPTA, 
GIPTA does the grants for the buses, and right now we, I'm working with them to do the TARC-3 new buses and do electric buses. It, we as understand the grants that come down from the federal working with TARC, we can bring that money here to get the buses replaced that need to be replaced. But they also have a program called Ticket to Ride. Now, usually Ticket to Ride is something that is from, say, uh, Louisville to Georgetown, Toyota, where they give you a bus or a van and multiple of you all get there. And you get this van all the time. Our problem with TARC is it goes downtown and comes out. It, it takes you three hours to get someplace. If you had a Ticket to Ride ability, you could move from one part of town to the other part of town. So we have to be able to take the last thing we keep talking employees we have to talk tourism in the future we have to have a circular that would go from the airport down through all the different areas whether it's the fairgrounds churchill downs downtown to the hotels to all different places in this community so the tourists have a great time when they come here and that's how the candidates that we just heard from the Republican candidates for Louisville's next mayor, uh, and before that, the Democrats, that's how they responded at the April 12th uh, Courier-Journal and Simmons College Mayoral Candidate Forum on public transportation. And now let's turn to the vital issue of racial injustice in our city. And the question was put to the candidates, will your administration prioritize racial injustice. And first, we're going to hear from Democratic candidate Colin Hardin, that 34-year-old hospitality and food service industry worker here on Sustainability Now. Yes, of course, racial inequality will be something my administration tackles, rights that need to be wronged. But the race inequality is only part of the overall inequality, which is equality of the working class. I mean, black people suffer from it just as much as white people do at this point. So, Along with my reprioritizing the police to not, no longer arrest people for drugs and focus on violent crimes, the people in jail and drugs will offer diversion programs so that they can get out and learn to trade. Trades like restoration, building, like um, plumbing, electrician, things like that. Now, once we stop the police from um, you know, policing black neighborhoods for nonviolent drugs, and we get them out, of the, the communities themselves will begin to heal. They won't have the constant threat around them at all times. And as by lifting the working class, it's gonna lift the black class just as much. Like, think about it, the inequality wasn't there 60 years ago. I mean, you know, and during the 60s, black people made money, white people made money, but then the attack on the working class is what then brought us to where we're at now. Status quo of, you know, only put money into one side of things has got us nowhere. Whether it's, you know, white people or black people, skin color matters as much as hair color, eye color. And while we have to make up for some things, that's how I would do it. Well, a city's ability to attract and keep talent should be one of Louisville's top economic goals. This is David should Nicholson. Start with inclusion and diversity. And it must be intentional and action-driven. So I'm proud to say that one of my very first goals after I was elected circuit court clerk was to diversify our staff of over 300 team members. We now have one of the most diverse government offices in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. For generations, government and institutional policies, practices have excluded many individuals from opportunities to follow their dreams. So many of these in institutional policies created outcomes of lower education attainment, lack of training, and few career opportunities. 
So we must make inclusion part of our economic development discussion and mission. It starts with improving equity and inclusion in the hiring practices, education, career training, addressing the needs of individuals outside the workplace setting. And it might include and has to include the transportation, childcare, affordable housing, like we did with Riverport in affordable housing. We have to track businesses, though, that are created and committed to the opportunity in an equitable fashion. Bottom line is inclusion diversity should be a critical ingredient in the plan. My administration will have an action plan of diversity in all of the Louisville Metro contracts and incentive packages that this city might offer to developers. And now, Shamika Parrish Wright. So the reason why I'm running is so that we don't get more of the same. I respect Mr. Nicholson. I have to work with Mr. Nicholson in my professional career. But also personally, there's people on Mr. Nicholson's staff who's been there more than 20 years who have been suspended for racist actions, racist words, and people who get government assistance because they're not paid well. So when we talk about diverse and accountability, I am the only candidate that's been working on that for over 25 years in the nonprofit sector. I plan to have a transition team and an accountability team throughout my term to check in every month and quarterly to make sure we're meeting our racial equity plans. I'm tired of all the talk and what sounds good on TV, but what plays out when you work in those places and when you have to access those places for resources is something totally different. I'm also running because I want to get in and stop the nepotism that is happening and has corrupted our city. And that continues to do that as people are trying to buy their way into our mayor's seat. This is, it is time for a people's mayor that's going to bring those changes. No more of this one-dimensional leadership where it's about who you know or who your grandfather is. It's about the work you're putting in. Anybody that wants to keep their job should be able to show how they're enacting the racial equity plans quarterly and monthly in hiring practices and the way that we pay people. We have to take care of people and we have to represent the whole community. I mean no disrespect, but this old way of doing it has to go. Thank you. And now Reverend Tim Finley, Jr. Well, I want to answer the question directly, but first make sure that all the candidates understand that racial inequity is synonymous with fairness and justice. You cannot have fairness and justice if you don't correct the things that are causing injustice and unfairness. So the first thing we have to do if we're going to have a more racially equitable city is we have to reorganize the way Louisville Metro works. Under my administration, I will reorganize not only the flow chart, I will make sure that every single department is operating with an equitable lens. It starts there. I will make sure that every initiative that is coming out of Metro government is operated with an equitable lens. I will make sure that we identify patterns and practices that have historically marginalized neighborhoods, people, and communities. If we don't do that, all we're doing is talking. So the very first day, I will sit down with my team, my transition team that will stay on throughout the first year or so of my administration, and we will look through the entire flowchart with a, with a fine-tooth comb to make sure that every department is operating with this equitable lens. If we do not do that, we're going to simply do what we've been doing for the last 20-plus years. Democrat Schuyler Grodick. So we spent 110 million dollars of taxpayer money to build the omni we spent 10 million dollars on the marriott 
And we also created a tax increment finance district to where when things turned down in the pandemic, we actually owe money on those things, public dollars. Um, we, we, if we can build stadiums, if we can build hotels, if we can build all of those things, then it shows that we don't have a money or know-how problem in terms of construction, we have a priorities problem. And I'm tired of this city using public dollars to invest and try to attract tourists instead of investing in its own people. For $10 million, we could have had free TARC. That's how much it costs to, to fund TARC fares. I mean, make it fare free. So we could have had 10 years or more of free TARC if we hadn't invested in the Omni. One of my main campaign platforms is to end food deserts. Again, to Tim Finley's question to us, I don't like to focus on race specifically because I think it's divisive, but we can't deny that we do have a history of systemic racism and, and Jim Crow and um, redlining that's hurt our community. So there's a correlation between race and class, but it's very clear regardless of that, that, that we have some underinvested in areas. If you have to spend more to go to get less healthy food and drive longer, you're paying more as a person who lives in that community. You're not getting the benefits that everyone else has. So we're more than Frankfurt Avenue. We're more than Barstown Road. We're more than the Highlands. Let's take this know-how and take these dollars, which we have plenty of, both of those things, and start investing back into our communities that need it the most to have been neglected. And now, candidate Craig Greenberg. I think we all agree that addressing racial inequity in this community, in this country, is long overdue. We need to close the wealth gap. We need to close the health gap. And as mayor, I expect to be accountable for doing both of those things. We have a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity right now. $388 million is coming into the city from the federal government. Some of it's already been committed, but not all of it has been. We need to focus that on areas of this community, on people that have been overlooked due to systemic racism for my entire lifetime, for your entire lifetime. Investing in people, neighborhoods, and infrastructures, <clears throat> excuse me, in ways that will close the wealth gap, that will improve, close the health gap, and will address racial inequality. Things like housing, not just affordable rental housing, but also for sale housing, giving people opportunities to own homes and start creating generational wealth and accumulate wealth for their families and also have a safe foundation to call home. Local grocery stores, healthcare facilities, we just had an announcement here in West Louisville about a new hospital, the first time in 100 years. That's great, but it's not enough. We can and must do more. We must ensure there's a black-led bank. We must support more black-led nonprofit organizations and foundations. We must invest in black entrepreneurs and black businesses, and we need to ensure universal pre-K is a reality so that every three- and four-year-old child, regardless of where they live, regardless of what their economic situation is, has an opportunity to get off to a great start in life. Yeah, I believe that uh, Republicans policies starting with Rob Stark uh, basically by overcoming structural racism. You know, I don't accept the story that America is, is and always has been racist to the core. Instead, I acknowledge the ways that our government has failed and continues to fail minorities. Uh, you know, I encourage policies to allow individuals and communities to flourish and be able to solve their own problems. You know, we need to address, you know, racial injustice by restructuring urban planning so that it promotes sustainable growth. Uh, this begins from the ground up with infrastructure that promotes community. Uh, this also means drastically scaling back zoning regulations so communities can decide what is best for them. Um, you know, the policies are only beginning and not an end. You know, it's a long-term goal, obviously, but, you know, we need to work on creating genuine communities that are safe, where kids can walk around, where they can go to school, you know, where they have public transportation, where they have parks that they can play. 
you know, and so we need to work together to achieve equity for every child in Louisville, and I think that most policies will, will work towards that. Republican I was in, Bill uh, involved in a meeting, uh, I think it was last Friday, with uh, Reverend Bishop Alliance. He has something that's called the Bishop's Table. Uh, not sure if you've been down there, Chantrell, I think you have. Uh, and it's, it's very interesting because it's a, it's a breakfast that he has every Friday, and you're involved, and there's anywhere from people that are running for office, people are in office, officers, uh, protesters, ministers, and people from the community. This is down in the heart uh, of Vermont, downtown, down in the West End. But people sit around the table, and they eat, and they talk, and it's open conversation. And that's what we need in this community to realize how do we move forward. So t conversations like that are, are no holds bar. When somebody says something, they may get mad at each other. But at the end of the day, they come back together and look for solutions. But as a, a mayor uh, of Jefferson Town, what we did on the DEI is I did not take what I thought should be corrected because if it was, if I knew it would have been corrected, I would have corrected it previously. I did not take what my directors thought would be corrected. I took the person that is the employees and had them form a DEI group of how do we change the internal workings of our city, and then we go outside that and look how do we get the outside to view our city as a, a place that is equitable for everybody. So we first changed what we had in J-Town anywhere from our uh, employee manual had items that need to be changed to our applications became blind applications when they came in to how we were doing lateral transfers for policing and no i have not been to the breakfast yet but i have met with <laughs> bishop lines at his church <laughs> and uh his radio show uh, as well i was on his radio show and i told him i will make it um, okay. to the breakfast republican so, chartrell hall down. okay i will i'll text okay, you okay. i'll text you no, we really do we text. um so policy I, I believe it needs to be affirmative action everybody sees where we are at this point there's no going back we know the issues we know what transpired uh, Mr. Reisman talked about zoning. You know, we know that redlining has taken place. If nobody knows Joshua Poe, I would suggest you look him up and look into some of his research of uh, this city of how things have been divided. So we know where we currently are, and we all know we want better. There is the color is because of the pockets and areas that we stay in that's comfortable to us. That's what it truly is, these barriers where people don't cross certain lines. I didn't go out into J-Town, that's where I'm, I'm out there now, because that's where I got my wife, so you know, my wife's out there, shout out to my wife, Shell. No, she got you. She got, got me, you right, you yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I got to start taking more notes. <laughs> she got me, um, but uh, I ventured out to J-Town, um, 18, 19 years old. I had never gone there, I stayed in the West and South End, but I wasn't kept out of, I didn't, you just know it wasn't for me to go until I got invited. And as I got invited to these areas and I brought my friends to mind. So as we grow as adults and businesses, we start to just stay in our comfort zones. And so now I don't think it's a policy more so of an affirmative action that has to take place. And finally, Republican Philip Mullis. Well, the answer to the question is, will you combating racial inequality be a priority? And the answer is yes. But racial inequality, you have to realize, comes from income inequality. And income inequality comes from educational inequality. So we talk about its subject, but you have to get down to the root of what that subject's about. As, as uh, Mr. Deere said, teachers are not the problem. Um, my, my sisters are teachers. I have my mom, my mom's side of the family, there's 200 teachers. Teachers are not the problem. The problem that we have is the board and the administration. So all policies need to be taken a look at in the city that, that address the educational inequality. 
because if you have an educational inequality and then that, that reflects into your income and everything else, that's where things come, the problems come with housing, incarceration, homelessness, it all begins there because of the fact that because of the education level is not where it needs to be at, then we have these disparities. And those disparities are the ones that in the end of the, at the end of the, of, the, of the day is what we call racial equality. You're listening to a special mayoral candidate roundup here on Forward Radio with me, Justin Mogg, on Sustainability Now. Yes, you can start early voting for Louisville's next mayor and many other important offices, but we're focusing on the mayoral race today. Coming up this week, you can do early in-person voting Thursday through Sunday, May 12th through 14th from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. at six different locations around the county. You can find more information at jeffersoncountyclerk.org, or you could wait till the primary election on Tuesday, May 17th, when polls will be open 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And we're hearing, listening back to some highlights related to sustainability from the April 12th mayoral candidate forum hosted by the Courier-Journal and Simmons College. And now let's turn our attention to the vital issue of affordable housing covered many times on this program before. Let's hear the candidates take on this issue. And we'll begin this time with David Nicholson, a Democratic candidate here on Sustainability Now. What would you do to bring affordable housing to areas throughout Louisville and not just in the areas where they traditionally are? Yeah, that's a, a very important question and uh, one that I'm proud of our local developer that announced yesterday uh, about wanting to bring an additional 2,000 units online. But as we look at the $89 million that the American <coughs> Rescue Plan funding that was proposed by Mayor Fisher, approved by Metro Council, yes, long overdue. It's a good start in addressing this issue on emergency affordable housing shortage. But we have to do more to be proactive to remove the barriers to home ownership, address barriers to home ownership. We have to develop real solutions to help keep individuals in their homes. We must work to develop a real strategic plan that does not sit on the shelf as too many plans tend to do, sitting on the shelf uh, on addressing the growth and sustainability of our affordable housing trust fund. I'm committed to supporting that. I'm committed with my service on the National Association of Counties Board of Directors, uh, working with our state and federal partners uh, and the neighborhoods and business leaders. We certainly must preserve and rehab and retrofit existing housing and buildings to be used for affordable housing. So with, we look at incentives, but it has to start with the residents in the neighborhood of what they recognize where we can use and rehab and bring about an interest from all builders and investors and tax credits. They must be transferable tax credits to really help us grow in this area. And now Shamika Parrish-Wright. Thank you. This is something I'm very passionate about, which is why I brought some talking points on this. We have to remove the red tape. Our metro government has a lot of red tape when it comes to affordable housing. 
but I was also a part of the housing action team that helped bring the Affordable Housing Trust Fund about. I'm also on the Homeless Coalition Continuum Care Board as the only person, and I sit on that board with some people who are developers and millionaires that has been directly impacted by houselessness. My family, my children graduated, some of my children graduated JCPS while we were houseless. So we have to do what we say we're going to do. We have to, I wanna work with owners, with businesses, with Louisville Metro Housing Authority, developers to deal with our problem together, and we have to deal with the transparency and the red tape. And let me say this clearly. The only reason to create a TIF is to hide where taxpayer money is going. Everything you do in a TIF you can do through regular budgeting processes, which is done in full view of the public. I want transparency and we deserve that now. A TIF often hides the most important elements of the budgeting process behind closed doors where real estate developers, corporations, business ally elites, and other hide that from City Hall and to, and to the fate of the neighborhoods that are impacted by those. And if I talk to somebody on Broadway and they can't tell me that something that has a 20 year implementation, they can't tell me anything about it, then that means this is not being done to help them. You simply cannot be for TIF and transparency at the same time. We have to have clear, true accountability for this, and we've had too much inaccountability. Thank you. And now, Reverend So I want to thank the, those who are asking the questions and how you all have somewhat deviated from what we had in our notes. So I'll answer what you just asked, and that is about the neighborhoods. We don't just have an affordable housing issue. All of us have plans for the amount of houses that we want to build. We're going to talk about AMI and how we get it done. But in Louisville, we don't just have an affordable housing issue. We have a segregated city issue. And you have neighborhoods do, that do not want affordable housing because of ignorance, because they don't know what affordable housing is. As the mayor, it is my job to go into those neighborhoods with city council leaders and work with developers in breaking down these antiquated racist ideas that affordable housing brings more crime. That was the question. I'm planning on going into every single district with every city council member where affordable housing can happen and speak to residents who are rejecting this and have been rejecting this because of old school antiquated racist ideologies. And now the youngest candidate, Skylar Grodick. I'm going to take a slightly different tact, and I, to be for the record, I've been very clear in my questionnaires, I've taken this tact as well and publicly. We seem to focus on affordable housing in the sense, maybe because we think that we have control over developers and realtors and those kind of things more than we do over state law. At the end of the day, what we're talking about is people's ability to afford their homes. If you're elderly, and it comes down to a fixed income, if you're very poor, if you're elderly, retired, if you have a fixed income and your, your pension, if you do have a pension, um, and the cost of living allowance is not built into that. Eventually, you can have an affordable house that has a very low payment and you're gonna get priced out of everything else that you need. Grocery go groceries go up with inflation. Let's take some bulwark here and build up some of our state laws so that we can uh, address the other issues that you know aren't necessarily housing. That's the biggest money dollar, so maybe that's what we focus on that. But let's have union jobs that allow people to have contracts that have cost of living adjustments built in. Let's, um, let's look at that, because I looked at the numbers for the affordable housing fund, and out of 30,000 or so houses that need to be built, they've only got to about 3,500 worked on or built in the last couple years. So it's not, a, it's not a good enough solution in itself, no matter where we build them. We need to address the root causes of making our dollars go further for those who uh, are on a fixed income. 
And now Democrat Craig Greenberg. Tim, I'm going to follow your lead here, and I think I'm going to try to answer the question. That's a but it's good been thing. So long, me to make sure it was right. Yeah. About affordable housing costs in the Iowa City. Is that correct? I strongly support there being more affordable housing across our entire city. Near good-paying jobs, which are across our entire city, and near good public transportation, which must be improved hand-in-hand hand as more affordable housing is built across our entire city. This is one of these classic Louisville issues. We all know the problem, we all know the solution, but for far too long, no one has done anything about it. It is about time that we take action. And I've been a person of action my entire career, and as mayor, I'm excited to tackle this issue of affordable housing, to build 15,000 new affordable homes across all of Louisville during my first term, and not just affordable rental housing, but also for sale housing, and also just as in the announcement yesterday with LDG, housing that also has additional services that the residents need, healthcare services, educational services. These would be great places to put new preschools and childcare under my universal pre-K program. So yes, affordable housing can, should, and must be built across this entire city. Colin Hardin. So here's the problem with affordable housing. It's that it doesn't leave anybody with any assets. And there are, I looked the numbers up today, 5,000 empty houses vacant, boarded up. I think I walked by one on the way here. And they're talking about building 15,000 more affordable houses. We only have 4,000 homeless people in the state. Like we have everything we need right here. I'm not saying every house is salvageable, but you know, if those can be bulldozed and broken down. We're gonna rejuvenate these neighborhoods. And with this, give these assets to the people that need them. We work out, you know, payment plans, whatever. Money cannot be the first priority. Like, we got into this mess saving money. We're not going to get out of it saving money. Another reason that I put forth that pledge is, like, I'm not going to ask anybody to do something I wouldn't. So affordable housing is not the issue. It's the housing. It's the issue. And once we get these houses renovated and ready to go, people will have assets again. They'll actually have something to build wealth. And that's what majority black people, but now everybody's being denied. My entire generation is households. And that's the primary way that we build wealth in this country. And you know, just as it happened in the 40s and 50s to black people, it's happening to an entire generation now of people that are just like, well, you know, at, we're supposed to rent our whole lives. I'm 34 years old. I don't, none of my friends own a home, none. And that's not because my generation just decided to be lazy. It's because every bit of money was siphoned from our communities by our so-called leaders. Well, we just had an announcement yesterday. Uh, Republican LBC Bill is Deaver. putting 12, un 12 different packages together uh, to bring affordable housing to Louisville. But the, that is fantastic. Uh, it's, it's places that are scattered different parts of Louisville. Uh, the thing we have to watch, there's two that they're putting out in Jefferson Town, one on Belltown Road, one on Taylor Road. That is, that is great, but we're putting them in areas where they're not on bus lines and there's not services, uh, our, our grocery stores, our government availability. So if you're putting a person in there that does not have the ability to get there, you have to put them in areas to where they have the ability to get there. The next thing we have to do on affordable housing is one thing, we have a one-time shot right now. We have all the money that's the ARP money, and we should take $100 million of that invested into affordable housing. And when I mean affordable housing, it's attainable housing. And attainable housing is a little different, and we should build houses for these people to live in, to own, so they can get generational wealth. 
If we put people in apartments, we're not doing the same thing as we are if we work toward generational health. And when we do that, we, we build a house to start with, a second house, and a third house. So they both can do different parts of the area of the county, but they also can be proud of the place where they're at, because not everybody wants to move out of the neighborhood that they love. A lot of times they want to stay there, but they want to have the ability to move up and gain generational wealth. And from that, we have a one-time shot right now to do it with that $100 million. Republican Shark Hill so Hall. I'll start with the west and south end before bridging out because I answered a question on the Sustainable Living Council in regards to this of how do you show fairness of those with the need and then those who have the businesses or the economic development piece. How do you bridge that gap so it's not a one-sided? Uh, there's a lot of abandoned homes right now. The way you make it work is by the city garnishing the lots. You encourage those in the economic development realm, but they have to reside in Louisville because we're letting too much outside influence come in and too many people that's not here just buy up and do whatever. They have to be here. Then you create the energy efficient home to continue to move forward with renewable energy. Then we're able to create these units for people to be able to move in for the affordable housing. That's the first thing. In regards to other areas, you have to meet with the council and with the people in other areas to get them to understand I was just in Anchorage um, speaking yesterday. We were, yesterday, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were there yesterday. And Anchorage is the beautiful, number one place, best place to live, beautiful. But in diversity, the grade rating is a C. And it's just, it's just because going back to you grow up there, you live there, this is where you are, not because we're trying to keep you out. So you have to meet, I believe, with each council because I met with them and talked with them and everything. Great conversation. I was like, man, this is awesome. I need to move out here, right? But you, you really have to meet people and meet with the council and meet with people um, in their areas to get them to understand that this is a need that we want to encourage to, for everybody to have the opportunity to move forward and progress in life as Bill stated. Republican Philip Molestino. Well, this question, uh, thank you, Mr. Gurr, for that question, is a question that we hear a lot about, obviously, in, in this campaign and in the city. But I don't think we realize how big of the problem we're talking about. We're talking about 31,000 homes, $3.5 billion. Right now, the city has $40 million that can build 350 homes. I agree with, with Mayor Zierif, put 100 million in there, 700 homes. We're, we're not even close to it. So this is a problem that's, that's severe. It's a problem. We're glad that the development that's coming up uh, that was announced yesterday to bring another 1,000 homes. We're still really behind. So what has to happen is we have to look at something, or as we're saying, immediate. We need to look at urban areas that perhaps have zoning, zoning that, that uh, they can build, so other cities have done this, allow them to build another apartment or residence in, the, in their garage. Helps, those are quick solutions. And I agree with like what Mr. Deere said. Uh, put them in places, but not, not places where people have the access to. So I think that we need to look at the fact that it's a big problem. We need to address it in, in ways that are creative. And we, I go back to the same thing again, income inequality. Why do we have 25,000 people, homes sitting, waiting for homes? Because of income inequality. And finally, Rob Stark-Reichman. Yeah, and I, I think you say that, you know, not just the West End and the South. So it, obviously there's a shortage of housing everywhere. So basically, you know, housing values are going to go up. Um, but I, I feel like if you build up the West End and the South End, you basically start building these communities where everybody's involved and everybody you have a better school you have fresh markets instead of uh, cash your check or a liquor store every two feet right so you start building these neighborhoods up where these people can actually you know anybody that's lower income can sit there and you know 
buy a house, you know, have an estate so that they can lend it to, give it to their children and pass it on. And that becomes more of a community effort because what happens is we say not the south end, not the west end, not this side, right? But that's not how it should be. We should build those communities up, right? So that they can make their own decisions. They have all these other things there. So when you build these houses, we make them look like just like a regular market house and everybody's, you know, basically built up instead of having to go outside. We know that there's public transit. We know that these other things exist already there. Let's build these communities up and let them make their own decisions. Let them empower themselves. And that's how it wrapped up. And that's all the time we have for on today's sustainability. Now for the highlights from the April 12th mayoral candidate forum hosted by the Courier Journal at Simmons College. You can find the full replay at courier-journal.com. Stay tuned, my friends. Coming up in just a second, your community action calendar for how to get engaged in sustainability this week. So stay tuned, my friends. Just a little bit of love, 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 just a little bit of love. No me cierre la puerta, no me cierre la puerta de tu corazón, no me cierre la puerta. here on sustainability now on ford radio hope you got your pencils out and your calendars ready to take action for sustainability this week yes you can vote this week in early in-person voting for the louisville primary which is tuesday may 17th but you can vote thursday through sunday from 8 a.m to 6 p.m may 12th to 14th at six different locations around the county Jeffersonian on Taylorsville Road and Jefferson Town, the Kentucky Center for African American Heritage at 18th and Ali, Broadbent Arena at the Expo Center, the Sun Valley Community Center on Bethany Lane, the Triple Crown Pavilion on Plantside Drive, and Mary Queen of Peace on Dixie Highway. You can find full details about how to vote at jeffersoncountyclerk.org. But voting is not the only thing happening this week. On, coming up on Tuesday, May 10th at 3 p.m., there'll be an information session put on by the Center for Health Equity on Improving Access, Education, and Equity in Louisville's Food System. Yes, the Louisville Metro Department of Public Health and Wellness is now accepting applications from organizations to improve access, education, and equity in our food system. A total of up to half a million dollars is available, which will be awarded to multiple organizations, with award amounts varying depending on the pool of proposals submitted. Applications that are selected will be awarded grant funding according to their proposed budget within their application, and the deadline to apply for this grant is June 5th. If you have questions, 
questions about this opportunity, you can join the Center for Health Equity for a brief review of the opportunity and a Q&A session that's taking place this Tuesday, May 10th at 3 p.m. online. And you can find the link to join by going to louisvilleky.gov and searching for Equity in Louisville's Food System. If you click the first link you'll find, you'll scroll down, you'll find the link to join the Tuesday, May 10th, 3 p.m. information session. Now, also on Tuesday, May 10th, uh, coming up in the evening at 8 p.m., it'll be the monthly Streets for People Car-Free Happy Hour taking place this month at the Zanzibar at uh, 2100 South Preston Street. Uh, this one will be more casual and less formal than our April meetup was. There'll be no agenda. That said, we'd like to have some focus on the Preston Corridor plan, an effort that's still in its early stages and could use some organizing efforts. We've heard from a lot of folks who are interested in this plan, but unclear about how to get involved. So let's use this night to get connected. Streets for People is hosting these monthly meetups at various establishments around town on the second Tuesday of every month at 8 p.m. And you can learn more about it at and follow uh, for future months at twitter.com slash streets, the number four peeps, P-E-E-P-S. Future dates are June 14th, July 12th, August 9th, September 13th, and October 11th. Coming out this Tuesday, May 10th at 8 p.m. at Zanzibar. Now, coming up this weekend on Saturday, May 14th, Streets for People is also putting on a family fun ride at 10 a.m. on Saturday, starting at the Douglas Loop Community Center, 2305 Douglas Boulevard. For all you parent advocates out there who find 8 p.m. on a weeknight to be just a little too late, they'll be hosting a family fun ride this month, and they'll meet up at Douglas Community Center at 10 a.m., start out at about 10.15 for a ride to the Seneca Park Playground and then head back to Douglas around 11. Non-parents are also welcome, of course. Just be aware that there will be children and it will be a super chill ride because there's a bunch of parents carrying children on their bikes. You can learn more at twitter.com slash streets, the number four peeps. Now, also Saturday, May 14th, I am so excited that the How To Festival is returning to the main public library right across the alley from us here at Ford Radio on York Street. It'll be 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. on Saturday, both inside and outside the building. After a two-year hiatus, the library's How To Festival is returning to the main library this Saturday from 10 to 3. From learning how to be a circus performer to canning your own vegetables and keeping bees in your back yard how to sessions cover a range of skills taught all by local experts this year's festival includes a mix of past favorites how to do chai tai chi homebrew beer or grow delicious tomatoes along with new lessons such as how to make tasty dog treats perform modern dance and create digital music other timely topics include how to plan a cross-country trip in an electric vehicle and how to buy and sell a home in a crazy market And thanks to a partnership with Forward Radio's proud community partner, the Urban Agriculture Coalition, How To will once again feature three gardening tents and classes presented by Urban Ag member groups, including Kentucky and Beekeepers, Wild Ones, and Master Gardeners. The How To Festival is free for all ages. Food trucks will be available, and we will be there. Forward Radio will be there live broadcasting at a booth where you can learn how to broadcast with community radio. Don't miss it. Find out more at lfpl.org or join us this Saturday, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the main public library on York Street. 
And I also want to remind you that Louisville Grows' final seeds and start sale is happening this Saturday, May 14th as well, from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. So you can stay through the bitter end of the How-To Festival and still have an hour to catch the very last hour of the Louisville Grows Seeds and Starts Stale, which is filled with your favorite and unique veggies, herbs, fruit trees, berry bushes, native flowers, and other gardening needs. Seeds and Starts are planted and grown with love by their greenhouse volunteers, and each of their over 100 varieties of plants are chosen for adaptability, biodiversity, beauty, and taste. Plants for any size garden or containers are available, and you can feel good about getting your locally grown, low-cost plants at Louisville Grows Seeds and Starts Sale because all proceeds from the sales support their community garden grant program. Friends of Louisville Grows receive a 15% discount on sale days, and you can become a member or learn more about it at louisvillegrows.org. And again, the final Seeds and Start Sale is this Saturday the 14th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. in person at the Louisville Grows Greenhouse, 1639 Portland Avenue. Visit seedsandstarts.org for more information. And finally, on Sunday, there's a couple things I want you to know about. On May 15th, from 4 to 7, there's going to be an Empty Bowls Hunger Benefit at the Highlands Community Ministry there at Breckenridge and Barrett Avenue. Tickets are available at the door or in advance at hcmlouisville.org. You can enjoy uh, tastings of a variety of soups and chilies and vote for your favorite. Tickets include bread, fruit, dessert, and a beverage of iced tea, lemonade, or water. Locally crafted brews by Chimera Brewing and Vigra will be available for sale. There'll be live rock and roll tunes by this, that, and the other band. You can stock the pantry. They'll be accepting donations of canned soup for their food pantry. Uh, locally handcrafted artisan pottery bowls will be available for sale. And a raffle of themed baskets by their member congregations. And a silent auction of a few top shelf items, including bottles of private label, Woodford Reserve, Barrel Release, as well as a gallery for good, the Art of Giving Back Varietal Art Sale. It's all happening this Sunday the 15th from 4 to 7 at Highlands Community Ministry at Breckenridge and Barrett Avenue. Get more information and tickets at hcmlouisville.org. And finally, Sunday, May 15th at 9 p.m., there's going to be a full moon hike to view the total lunar eclipse happening this coming Sunday at, out at Bernheim Arboretum and Research Forest. Uh, there is a fee for this, uh, but of course, if you don't have to go all the way to Bernheim. If it's a beautiful night, you can just walk outside. But there'll be a full moon hike uh, and viewing of the total lunar eclipse at 9 p.m. on Sunday the 15th out at Bernheim. You can experience the mystery of a full moon hike through the early spring landscape. Bernheim's full moon hikes include a walk around Lake Nevin Loop with plenty of stops to observe the night sky, discuss nocturnal happenings, and consider our cosmic connections. Registration and payment are due by 4 p.m. on Saturday by calling 502-955-8512 or by registering online at bernheim.org. This event is for ages 8 and up and no pets are allowed. Space is limited, so register early. And hey, wherever you are, don't miss the total lunar eclipse coming up this Sunday evening, May 15th. The hike starts at 9 p.m. That's all the time we have for today here on Sustainability Now. I want to thank you all for tuning in. I look forward to being back in your ears again in one week's time, my friends. Be well, and don't forget to vote.